0: Morning, church. Thank you, Dean. Um, There's lots of funny names in that one, and you did very well with that, so we'll give you the bagats next time. Uh, And uh, Jeremy, where'd you go, Jeremy? Anyways, I can't see you, that's okay. I appreciated what you said this morning about, uh, you know, I, don't, I don't take offense what you said this morning about you've gotten more sometimes out of the children's uh, time than you have out of the sermons, because honestly, I was thinking exactly the same thing. They keep it simple. That's okay. And sometimes I think we get a little, we try to get a little too deep. So a long time ago, or once upon a time, maybe I'll just make it more like a children's service, in a land far, far away, there was this guy named Paul, and he wrote a letter to the Church of Colossae. <laughs> Anyways, um, this is our seventh part in our six-part series in Colossians this morning. Math was never my strong suit. And uh, I think what we'll do is, we'll, we'll still call it a six-part series in Colossians, but what we'll do is we'll call this message, In Addition to the six-part series in Colossians, or as we were talking about earlier this week, if this was a a DVD uh, series, we'll call this the bonus features, and then next week's uh, lesson out of Colossians, I guess we'll call that a series epilogue, Travis, does that work, I don't know, something like that, okay, anyways, yeah, yeah, all right, I don't want you to think that we're trying to stretch more out of this book than we can, but God's word is full of treasure. And I think there's still a few more nuggets of gold that we can mine out of the book of Colossians. In this series, we've been looking at what it means to be completely complete. And we've been talking a lot about how Jesus wants to have relationship with us. And when we are in relationship with Jesus, we are filled with his fullness. Everything that Jesus is is poured into us so that we, in turn, can go and pour it out into the world. And how wonderful... That Jesus gives us this this sort of um, physical reflection of what it means to be in relationship with him in our relationships with each other. It's like a reflection of what it is to be in relationship with Jesus. It's an extension of who he is. In Christ, community is created. Now, I once had a friend years ago Actually, I'd call him more of an acquaintance. We didn't really hang out that much. We, For a while, we were at the same church, and we were playing music together. But I remember we were talking one time about how hard it is to be a Christian out in the world. You know how we always talk about that? We need to be out in the world, but not of the world, and, and all that kind of thing. We were talking about how hard it was. And one day, he, we were talking about this, and he just said, you know what would be great? It would be great if we just got all the Christians in the world together, and we just built like this big city with really high walls around it. And we just all lived in there. And the world can just do what they need to do and we'll just be happy where we need to be in this city. What would you call a city like that? Would that be like Christania or what is that? I don't know. And we didn't know if he was serious at first, but I think he was. He was. And so we didn't really know how to react to this. And and some of my friends started sort of, well, I I don't know if that's what the Bible says. And I was a little more blunt about it. I said, if we did that, we'd probably be all dead in a month. (laughs) We don't want to do that. That's not what the church was created for. And that's not what it means to be in a community of Christ. It's not what Jesus modeled. It's not what any of the apostles or the disciples modeled or what they preached. But we are called to come together to be in community so that we can gather together and fill up and then go out and pour out. Amen? Remember a couple of months ago, we talked about this idea of what it means to be a family? Remember we talked about that family existed even before time existed, because family exists in the triune being of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when he created the world... The first thing he did was create a physical family. Here he creates Adam, and he looks at Adam, and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he creates for Adam a wife. And when we look at that statement, it's not good for man to be alone, I think we could say it's not good for mankind to be alone. It's not good for anyone to be alone. So why is this so important to us as Christians? What does a church community give us that we need so badly? I want to share with you a, a quote from a, a fellow named Nikki Gumble. Anybody here know who Nikki Gumble is? Anybody here ever take the Alpha course? If you've taken the Alpha course, chances are you know who Nikki Gumbel is. It's been a while since I took it. I think it was back in '97 when I took it. So if they use the same videos, or they're probably DVDs now, um, Nikki Gumble's the guy that's doing all the talking. And when he talked about church and and community and the need for it, he shared this illustration. I'm going to share it with you today. Nikki says, I heard about one young man who was really struggling. He had come to faith in Christ, but he just found himself drifting away, drifting in doubts and difficulties and losing his faith. And he went to see a wise older man who lived in a cottage, and there was a fire, a coal fire. And as they were discussing, this young man told this older man about what was going on in his life. This young, the older man didn't say anything, but he just went to the fire, and he took a red-hot coal with tongs, and he put it on the hearth. And as the young man talked, he just allowed the coal to go from red-hot to black and dark. And then he got the tongs again, and he put the coal back in the fire. And within a few minutes, the coal was red-hot again. He didn't need to say anything. The young man left knowing exactly why his faith had gone dull. The church is a wonderful gift that Jesus created and that he left for us here on earth. Here's a chance for us to come together to read the word of God. To worship together to, to remember him through communion and to support and encourage one another. And God is good. I love that he leaves us this this physical, this concrete way that we can do this, something that we can see, something that we can touch. It's like he's saying, I know there are times, guys, where you're going to need a real handshake. There are times you're going to need a real hug. And this is my gift to you. It's an extension of whom Christ is. There's a reason why the Bible calls the church his body. And Christianity happens in community. This is the golden nugget that we find in Colossians chapter 4. And though and through it this morning, we're going to look at church community from just a few different angles. And so, Dean, I, I agree with you 100%. At first look, chapter 4 is not that exciting. In fact, I would call it kind of the gristly bit because all the good meat's kind of in the middle of the letter, right? And when we look at it at first glance, chapter 4, most of chapter 4 kind of comes off as formalities. It's just Paul giving his... His greetings, his final greetings in his letter. That's not terribly exciting. We're not going to develop a 12 part Bible study out of that. I mean, who is Tychicus? Tychicus? Ty, who is that guy? <laughs> do we really need to know about Onesimus? And do we really care that Justus sends his greetings? Probably not. And that's okay. But here's the thing, their names were seen fit to be put into the word of God, to be included in the word of God, and their names 2,000 plus years later are still popping up. And so it strikes me that it doesn't really matter why they're in there or who they are, but what matters is that they are there. Here are men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ who are working alongside Paul to help spread the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I get some comfort from that. I get some comfort that somebody like Paul needed human help to do what he had to do. I mean, if you're like me, sometimes we look at Paul and we look at uh, the disciples and the apostles and we see these guys as, as super Christians. And we think to ourselves, or at least I think to myself, how can I ever be like this guy? What do I have in common I can't even relate to him. But you know what? We all have something in common with Paul and with all these people. Turn to the person beside you right now and say, Good morning, normal human being. Go ahead. Good morning, normal human beings. You see? We've got something in common with them already. Here are normal human beings that did wonderful things. And you know how they did it? They were obedient to the call of God. We can do that. And they worked through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do that. I pray I'm doing that right now. They had a lot of help. They had a lot of human help. And that brings us to our first angle. A church community needs us us as much as we need it. In fact, let me personalize that a little bit for you. A church community needs you as much as you need it. And all of us are needed. When we read about these men and women, we come across words like dear brother, faithful minister, fellow servant. And the descriptions we find of them, people who encourage People who wrestle in prayer for others. People who work hard to help their fellow Christians. People who open their homes up for fellowship. People who comfort one another. We all have our place in the body of Christ. And please listen very carefully to this. There are no lesser members in the body of Christ. Amen? There are no less important people in the body of Christ. Just last week, Travis was speaking about Jesus and that he washed the disciples' feet. I love, this, I love this account of Jesus doing this. He takes off the rabbi robe, and he puts on the towel, and, and he washes the disciples' feet. And I had great fun talking to my sons about that, about what a disciple's feet look like at the end of the day. When you're walking in open-toed sandals on a dusty, dirty road. The best part was when we got to the poo. That's right. We went there. This is what Jesus is cleaning off of his disciples' feet with the towel that he is wearing. What an example of service and humility. And Jesus is saying, you want to know what the kingdom of God looks like? That's what it looks like. And that's what we're called to be for each other. There is a huge lesson in that for us when we tend to elevate those in the church who are more vocal and more visual than others. We elevate our ministers. We elevate our worship leaders. We elevate our elders. We elevate the Sunday school teachers, the people that are kind of front and center. But friends, let me read to you something that Paul writes. Oh, here's this guy again. Tychicus, we'll just say that. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. He doesn't say he's my underling. He's my personal assistant. And a little bit lesser Christian than I am. Neither does he say he's so much better than I am. He's saying he's a fellow servant. And we, all-encompassing we, are fellow servants. Some are more front and center, granted. Some are more behind the scenes, but we all make up the body And if you're relatively new here to Shelburne Street, or if you've been coming and just checking it out, I want to encourage you to stick around and get to know some people. And give these people a chance to get to know you. Take at least a couple steps inward. Don't hide on the outside. This brings us to another angle of church community. A church community is not for hiding in, but for living out of. It's really easy to hide in a church, especially a big one. But the church was created not for something to hide in, but for something to be lived out of, to be a place again where we gather in, get filled up, and then go out, and then we pour out. And there are some different ways that we hide within a church community. Sometimes we hide within a church community personally. We stay out on the fringe, or we're on the edge, and we never... Really, it's, even when we're sitting in the sanctuary, it's, not, it's, not like, it's like we've never even really come in the doors. We've never really gotten involved or, or gotten to know someone. Sometimes this is necessary. Sometimes it's where you have to be. I remember when Kate and I were part of a church years ago. Something happened in our lives and we had to pull back. I was on the worship team and we were leading a small group. And part of you know that story, but I, I, we had to pull back. But the thing is, we pulled back so far that we kind of disappeared. Friends, if that's you this morning, if you're here and you're on the edge because it's just where you need to be right now, that's okay. We love you and we want you to stay there as long as you need to. But don't stay there as long as you want to. There will be a time when you need to take a step forward again. Maybe just go up to somebody and say, And perhaps we need to take a look for those people who are on the outside. And maybe we need to not let them stay there for too, too long. Not drag them back in, but maybe at least go up and say, (laughs) Hi. Sometimes we hide within a church community personally, sometimes we hide within a church community socially. It's easy within a church to stick to our friends and our family and never to reach out much beyond that. But I want to encourage you this morning to reach out beyond the familiar. Your friends and your family aren't going anywhere. They'll still be here next week. But who do we see that we have not yet met? Or who's been coming here for years that we've never really spoken to, that we've never really spent time with, or even just said hello to on a Sunday morning? One thing that happened a few weeks ago, I'm so glad about this, we had the Young Families Group hosted a a progressive dinner for the seniors group. And it was wonderful. Wasn't it wonderful? I hope it was wonderful. I think it was wonderful. I've heard so much feedback that it was wonderful. So it was wonderful. Man, I'm on a roll. Okay. Uh, But how wonderful it was to spend time together and to get to know them and to have them get to know us, and just to say, hey, we love you. Let's spend some time together. Let's continue to foster what was begun that night. Sometimes we hide socially within a church. Sometimes, sometimes we hide within a church denominationally. The body of Christ is much bigger than what we see in this room today. In fact, earlier this week I was going through the Yellow Pages, You remember what those are? (laughs) No, me neither. Anyways, I was going through the yellow pages. And from what I could tell, from a very quick count, from a very quick glance, there are about 130 churches in Victoria. 130 churches in Victoria alone. Which are the good ones? Which are the right ones? Which are the bad ones? Which are the wrong ones, and which ones are just plain bonkers? The answer, of course, is all of them. It depends who's asking, right? One thing I love is that on the first Thursday of every month, there is a citywide pastors and ministry leaders luncheon. And we all get together, and we spend time with one another, and we share a meal. We're at a different church each month. And someone is asked to speak. And it is a great time to spend together. We're ribbing each other a little bit about denominational differences. And, you know, it's never been mean-spirited. It's always been fun. And we're talking about Jesus. Here's something we have in common. Jesus Christ. And it's a wonderful time. Paul encouraged unity within the churches and to share with one another. In verse 16 of chapter 4, he wrote, After this letter has been read to you, this letter to Colossae, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Don't you wish we could read the letter from Laodicea? What would that have said, I wonder? What kind of things was Paul writing to that church? And he's encouraging them to share it with the church in Colossae. So they would have been swapping letters. They would have been sharing together. Hey, Paul was addressing this. Maybe this is something we need to think about here. Or, or, you know, they were blessed by doing this. That's great. We've been blessed by doing this. Isn't that wonderful how God's working in the churches? Sometimes we hide within a church community by believing that what is best for us must be best for everyone else. And sometimes it gets to the point where we don't even acknowledge our brothers and sisters that just happen to attend somewhere different on a Sunday morning. Can we agree that the focus of our being in community together should always be less about how we're different from the people down the street and more about how we want to get to know Jesus Christ? Because I'm willing to bet that most people in the churches around this city are doing the exact same thing. They want to get to know Jesus Christ. And they want to follow him. And they want to see him move in this city. Let's remember why we're here. We're here because we love Jesus. We want to follow him. We want to be closer to him. We just talked about how people within the church can be elevated sometimes. Sometimes a whole church can be elevated sometimes, or a whole denomination can be elevated sometimes. And that's when we need to be careful. Because in the end, that will only let us down. And that brings us to the final angle that I want to talk about this morning about church community. A church community can never completely fulfill us. Only Jesus can. Henry Nouwen wrote, It is important to remember that the Christian community is a waiting community. That is a community that only creates a sense of belonging. That not only creates a sense of belonging, but also a sense of estrangement. In the Christian community, we say to each other, we are together, but we cannot fulfill each other. We help each other, but we also have to remind each other that our destiny is beyond our togetherness. The support of the Christian community is a support in common expectation. And that requires a constant criticism of anyone who makes it into a safe shelter or a cozy clique, and a constant encouragement to look forward to what is to come. Ultimately, a church community cannot fulfill us, because you have to remember the church is a gift, but it is not the giver. It will never be perfect, and it requires a lot of grace to be a part of a church community. Your ministers need it. Your elders need it. Your ministry leaders need it. And we all need it for each other. It's an opportunity to encourage each other and to support one another. And a church community by itself can never fulfill us and should never be a replacement for God or never become an idol. Can a church become an idol? Anything can become an idol. Of course, it can become an idol. This is why we can't build a city called Christania with high walls for all the good Christians to live in, like that old acquaintance of mine would have hoped for. It's not what we were made for. Because there is a whole world out there teeming with people who want to know the words of Jesus Christ. Probably more so, they want to see the words of Christ put in action. They want to see us walk the talk. And it's not the actions in here that are going to bring them in, because they're not coming in. It needs to be shown outside of these four walls. Because that's what we were made to do. To live a life for Christ as fellow servants of the gospel. Ian, would you please come back? Friends, I want to ask you, where are you today where community is concerned? Is anyone here a one-man army or a one-woman army? Are you on the fringe, hiding within it instead of living out of it? Are you stuck socially within it and maybe it's time to break out a little bit? Or is the church community serving to strengthen your relationship with Christ? Or is it actually something that's trying to replace it? If any of this is resonating with you right now, I want to encourage you to pray. And ask God, what steps is he calling you to make to get more involved? The word involved strikes a lot of fear sometimes. I don't just mean something that's visual, something that has you up front when I say involved. There are so many ways to get involved in church. Sometimes it means just coming and saying hi to somebody. Maybe it means washing dishes after the potluck downstairs. It's a great way to get to know somebody, actually. Someone's got to wash, someone's got to dry. Now we have a conversation. Maybe it means joining a life group. Or maybe someone's been put on your heart and it's got you thinking, I haven't seen that person in church for a while. Or I've been meaning to invite this person to come. I want to encourage you to pray for them this week. Reach out to them. Friends, we were not made to be alone. And Christianity happens here in community. It is a gift from God that serves to strengthen our relationships, first with Jesus and also with each other. And it serves to equip us so that we can take this out into the world and bless those around us. We were created for this, so don't let it pass you by. Don't be like that coal that was taken out of the fire and is slowly becoming dark and black. Stay close to Jesus and the gift that he's given you to shine bright. And that is the church. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for your gifts, Lord God, and the gift of the church is such a wonderful one, Lord. Thank you that we can be a part of it, as imperfect as it is, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace upon us, Lord. I ask, Lord God, that you would strengthen us and unite us, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word would go forth from here in our hearts, in our mouths, in our lives, in our actions, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for this time together. May it strengthen us, Lord, for the coming week and beyond. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.